This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm AB, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up? It's me, um, Aaron on Light. You predicted that this uh, this episode of Dynamite would have the highest viewership in series history. Do you stand by that that prediction? Yes, because when the people tuned in, they could not have predicted that this would not be a very good episode. Okay. Okay. I'll take that as your uh, your answer. You're standing by that. Uh, that would, of course, require that people uh, sat through the first hour and did not decide at some point to realize that, oh, no, this is not going to be a very good episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, you know, you tune into something for the first time. You, you got to see it through, right? So you might as well. No, I don't agree with that at all. I will quit something <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Nothing I love to do more than quit things or leave early. Um, and if I can do it on my very first attempt of something, even if it's midstream, all the better. See, unlike a TV show, like if we start a new TV show, I have a rule. Uh, well, it's not really a rule because I definitely have quit shows after one episode. But I usually give them three episodes before I decide against it. Movies, I will stand up and walk out of without any hesitation. I have only walked out of one movie in my life. I'm sure we must have discussed it before. Uh, I mean, I don't remember. So you can tell me again. It was Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. Ah, I don't know <laughs> if we've discussed this. Never saw that one. Uh, yeah, don't. I've walked out of many movies. Couldn't list them all. It's like I give a movie about 30 minutes and I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> There's nothing here for me. Very funny to me that you used to consider yourself like a movie guy. <laughs> That's when I was walking out of movies. I was like, mm. this is a waste of my time. I'm seeing, you know, a hundred movies this year. I don't got time to sit through this okay. shit. <laughs> All right. This is starting off well. Our episode, I think, also is starting off well. Uh, we're also joined by Mike. What's up, Mike? I've only walked out of one movie. It was Michael Mann's uh, Miami Vice because I thought the uh, projector was broken and instead they did an in-media res intro and did not have like title card or anything like that. And we thought that, the, that they got the wrong uh, film cartridge or tape or hard drive, whatever. But we were like, yeah, well, we're done with this. Like, it seems like your shit's broke. That's on y'all. And then we just left. That's the only movie I've ever walked out of in my life, though. How how long into the movie did you walk out that you... Nine minutes, so it would have been the end of the first <laughs> reel. Nine okay. minutes. <laughs> so there really, was a technical malfunction. You didn't, you didn't talk to the theater manager about it or be like, hey, is the projector fucked up? You, you, just, you, you know just left? The, yeah, you, you know, if I wasn't like a conflict-adverse person... <laughs> I, I probably would have been like, hey, like this. And then they could be like, no, that's actually how the movie starts. But I was in high school, and I'm this dumb now. I was more dumb back then. 
I'm trying to think of a, of <laughs> a movie I walked out on. Uh, just know that there were many, and I have stopped. I mean, on DVD or Netflix or whatever, I have stopped so many movies 30 minutes-ish in uh, because I don't care. So we'll find out. I'm, You know, the, the quarters this week will be very interesting if people tuned out early on. Uh, I think, at least for me, that's going to be a big uh, talking point during this episode of our show yeah. uh, about the way they chose to start this episode coming off of the CM Punk debut, the biggest thing in promotion history. So we'll see. Uh, if you want to know more about movies we've walked out on, I'll try to think of some and tweet them out on our account at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the show, the podcast, rather. You just go on whatever app you use, type in everything elite, hit subscribe. It's good for you. It's good for us. Everybody wins. If you use the Apple podcast app, please give us a five-star rating and review again. Very good for us. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. It's heating up, folks. It's big. People are loving the Patreon. So hop on over, subscribe. Uh, September is going to be huge with lots of all-out coverage and plenty of other things. So let's get into talking about Dynamite tonight. We will kick it off, as we always do, with Elite or Delete. I think we might have some new listeners. So I'm just going to explain the concept of this segment, which is Elite, our favorite things from the show, what we thought were really good. Delete, the things we thought were not as good from the show. We'll kick it off with Elite and with Nate. What was your favorite thing from this week's episode? My favorite thing from this week's episode, um, they signed this guy CM Punk and he was on the show and he came out uh, and he got a lot of cheers, was received like a big star, cut a pretty good promo. Um, that, that was, that was really, that was the good thing on the show. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't as good as his last promo, but you know, you can't, you can't, uh, of course, hold him to the standard of a historic wrestling event and promo, I think. So I really, uh, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. I mean, punk easily is now the focal point of the show and everything felt like it was built around punk. And then everything other than that was uneven is the terrible way of putting it, I guess. But, uh, yeah, no punk was, uh, you know, did a great job building the pay-per-view and as we've seen over the last five days they know to goose their money maker so i am certain that we will be seeing different variations of this interview different things like tony Schiavone making some comments about it but you know it's something that i thought that he just looks and it's something that really solidified with me this time he looks so much like happier than I remember even him like in Ring of Honor or anything like this. Like he looks like someone who's at peace and, you know, he's one of the better talkers of this generation, if not the best talker of the generation. So, I mean, had Milwaukee eating out the palm of his hand and, you know, dealt with uh, Brian Danielson chance for the first time. And, you know, the fact that he was the one willing to address it there and address it straight up, you know, I mean, it's now canon like Kenny's T-shirts teasing punk. So that's kind of fun now that we we get to play with that for the next month. Yeah, that was a stroke of good fortune, really, uh, that they kind of organically, the crowd went to do a yes chant in response to 
like a, a rhetorical question he posed. And, uh, you know, if, if not, I, I would say probably not the highest episode of Dynamite that they're ever going to see, but certainly his segment is one of the more anticipated segments that they've had in the history of the show. So if you can find a way to sneak a Brian Danielson tease in there, then that's great. I think Cousin Weed Mouse pointed this out in the chat. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a little bonus as well. Yeah, another, you know, absolutely knocking it out of the park performance from Punk. Absolutely not as good as the Rampage one. But as you said, kind of a lightning in the bottle moment that you can only have one time. But despite that, he comes out. He does a great job of getting people, uh, you know, delivering what people want, doing CM Punk, but in like an organic way. He puts over Darby super huge. I mean, you know makes Darby look like one of the biggest stars in the world. It's just, it's fascinating because uh, to me, Punk is like, clearly, uh, I don't have to say to me, Punk is the biggest star in this promotion. He walks in one on day one and he's the biggest star. So now how do you deal with that? We've seen them take one swing where they deal with, um, okay, we're, probably going to have new people watching this show so how do we deal with that and at least we can say for cm punk that he gave what he was supposed to give i think you're right mike about him generally being happy i've been listening to the art of wrestling interview uh with with punk the famous art of wrestling one with punk and because you know he was also on episode two not that one i wasn't listening to that one and it's it's really something to hear him talking about um, and, you know, we also heard this from other people who've left WWE, just how how miserable <laughs> that it is, because you've always wanted this your whole life and you get there and you're being fought against at every step. And so I think, Mike, what we're seeing is Punk realizing, oh, I can actually do the things I want to do here and be creative in a way that I haven't been able to. So I think that's exciting uh, that we might see, you know, some new things that Punk has never really brought to us in the past. Yeah. And and it's something I feel like with him that like him bringing something new here, like first time ever seeing him do really an interview with Tony Schiavone, like having an interviewer in the ring versus just grabbing the microphone and talking. So we're already kind of seeing that. And he seemed like completely in control of the element there. I mean, he understood what was going on and, you know, I mean, he's the best mic talker of this generation. So of course he knows what to do there. And he, he looked like he was having a great time, and Tony Schiavone was like beside himself, and also was wilding out in lilac pants on national television. So it was a win across the board. I do. I'm I'm curious to know because Tony and and Punk obviously have never worked together, uh, but Tony was like out of wrestling entirely during Punk's whole ascent. Right? He was just doing baseball yeah. and basically had a negative opinion of wrestling. So I wonder. If he really yeah. appreciates that sort of uh, era or really understands why the crowd is so into punk. I I don't think they had any crossover when punk was at TNA when Trevoni was very briefly there. So <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think did Tony he might have only done one TNA show, and that was to cut a heel promo if I recall correctly. <laughs> In a Hawaiian um, shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh, okay, so we we're we're stipulating that punk is the biggest star in the promotion or on the show. I think maybe Kenny Omega is like maybe the second biggest star. At least when he came out for his segment, it was like, okay, here comes another star on the show. Um, 
maybe it's Moxley. I don't know. But but Omega's segment got more of kind of a star peak reaction for me. Um, just watching Punk and and rewatching his entrance on Rampage and rewatching that promo and watching him here, uh, I, he kind of like a little bit exposed to me how much of like Kenny's confidence and charisma and persona or whatever is a little put on. Like, because Punk has to do, you know, Punk was obviously like the most character charis, charismatic guy in Ring of Honor and in the Indies, you know, by a wide margin when he was there. Uh, well, and, you know, with Joe. Um, and then got to WWE, eventually made it to the top of WWE and has like hundreds of hours of experience being a top guy on major national cable television, right? Uh, and I was just kind of struck by Punk. When Punk comes out, like <laughs> he just has a confidence and self-assuredness and uh, 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 carries himself like a real fucking star does. And he does so little. He doesn't have to do almost anything. He just kind of captures your attention and your imagination, uh, just like walking out and looking at the crowd or whatever, and you know, taking a moment and doing this or that. Uh, just the, the the little things he does with his hands when he's promoing to kind of direct the crowd where he's going and where the natural endpoint is to pop on something. Uh, and it just kind of made me <laughs> like look at it and go, oh yeah, you know. John Mox's little shoulder roll thing, not really that organic and naturalistic. It's like a little overcooked. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. He's kind of, Loki exposed the rest of the roster to me. Uh, I think that's fair, but also Punk is like uniquely charismatic. And I don't know, maybe not uniquely charismatic, uniquely able to uh, get his charisma across to the fans, you know, it's one thing to be confident. It's one thing to be able to do a good promo. It's another thing to just be able to, here's me on 10 and I can show it to you right now. Well, and also, even even if you do have that, if you have that innate thing where, oh, I'm going to carry myself confidently and I'm going to, uh, you know, be on 10 and I'm going to be very cool, but still project my, you know, sense of self or whatever. You don't really get that stardom aura until everyone in the building agrees with you, right? That's like, you have to have that buy-in. And Punk has that buy-in, whereas kind of everybody else is still working on earning that buy-in, where just everybody on, is on the same page about, oh, that guy has it. We're all in agreement. We all react the same way, and it kind of creates a you know shared experience of, oh, everybody kind of tensed up when this guy came out or whatever it is. Um, and I just uh, kind of feel like, oh, yeah, no, the, these other guys maybe have a little bit of a way to go in reaching that rarefied air that he already jumped to, that he's already on. Um, the Just because I haven't thrown this out in a while and I was thinking about it, there's only two guys that I've seen in wrestling that really have like a like aura that you feel in the room when they come out and the whole room changes and everybody around you kind of heightens their senses and everybody's like, oh, wow. And there's like a buzz in the air and it's super dragon at PWG. And it was Kota Ibushi at that one rev pro show show we saw WrestleMania weekend. Um, and I guess punk, it would be the third having felt, you know, being at the United center on Friday. I was going to say Hiroshi Tanahashi and Nick Gage are the, uh, the two people that have not. Yeah. Gage doesn't have the feeling on the same level that uh, that Punk does, but in his room, he has it. 
Yeah. Uh, but even then, it doesn't quite, I don't know, kind of nothing compares to me to seeing Super Dragon in Legion Hall. Mike, you were no. there for that show, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Remember when Super was... Dragon just came around fucking staring in people's eyes and intimidating them? And it was like, oh, this guy fucking owns the soul of everybody in this room right now. Yeah, it's a unique feeling. And I, Nick Gage, like, I, I can't really speak on Nick Gage because the only time I saw him was at spring break and I was out of my mind. So, like, like I, I assume at least it comes across from stream like that. But, yeah, no, it's something that, like, well, when, like, Punk entered the arena today and on Friday, it's just a different world that, like, as soon as he came out, both on Friday and today, I was like, oh, this is different. And is that necessarily, like, the stardom that Nate was talking about, like, people not being at that level yet? I don't know. I, I think also CM Punk also has, like, the this innate history that now is kind of wrestling canon in a way that just builds up on the mystique to like get it to that point but it's going to be something that i think i find it very interesting like they are very uh diplomatically keeping these two guys apart before the feet before the match and they're keeping this baby face or his baby face because there's only one way to really do this thing and i guess what, what i'm going to be interested in nate building off what you said about like people being at the level of that is how's it going to feel in the now arena when like you see Darby Allen face off against CM Punk and the bell rings. Like, is that going to have like the electric feeling that we're anticipating or is it going to be like, Oh, it's electric because it's just CM Punk or is it going to be electric because it feels like that this is a huge moment. And they kept the moment feeling tonight. And that was probably like the one big takeaway in the show. It's like, all right, it does not feel like it was a spike with CM Punk. It feels like that this is the new normal. Yeah. Uh, both, both on that, subject in terms of uh you know him coming right off really a historical appearance and every you know these first few appearances also being historic in their own way and also on what you said about him being you know looking like he's happy and healthy and all this stuff also entirely possible that we're just in the honeymoon period right now <laughs> uh right, so those yeah, yeah those will, those will be things we'll be charting as they go forward i think i think it's i think both the things are true we're in the honeymoon phase, and he's also a much bigger star than anyone else here. And they're either, I mean, they're going to have to, it seems weird for like Punk to have to give Moxley a rub, but like, I think they're going to have to do that with some of these guys to get, to pull them up to his level or Omega, you know, pull them up to the Punk level, but also just working with him in this environment. Now, Omega's never worked with him. I don't think maybe they work. No, never worked together. Right. So no. And Moxley, uh, you know, a totally different world where he's like really just showing up in WWE and working uh, with Punk. So maybe working with him, they learn a few things about the way that he carries himself like a star that can be helpful to them. I'd be interested to see the viewership comparisons. I, I'm, this data exists somewhere. I'm sure Brandon Howard Thurston probably has it. But just what the WWE viewership was when Punk got made and he really became a top star, and then what WWE viewership was when Dean Ambrose got quote unquote made and, uh, you know, I don't even, became a star, won a belt, because, you know, it, it's a, a few years apart. I don't know what it is, four years apart, five years apart, six years apart, but it's probably a significant gulf and even viewership in that right there. So that'd be a interesting comparison to see 
why there's still seems like there's a disparity between those guys. Yeah, but Punk also has that thing where you feel like he's one of us in a way that Moxley doesn't really have. You know, Punk, as much as he played the game in WWE, he would do enough things to kind of wink at you to tell you that he knew it was a game that he was playing. And uh, and then, you know, I mean, Moxley did too, but then Punk just fucking walked out. And I think that's even different from what Ambrose did, which is like let his contract expire and then head over to the other place. Punk just fucking quit. And I think that also resonates with a lot of people. So I just think there's something it's, you know, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. I think they connect with wrestling fans in a way that almost no one else does. Yeah. And uh, an additional element to this, maybe just that, you know, AEW is like the major league uh, expression of the whole indie undercurrent that really got started with those two guys in like ring of honor and IWA and the, the, whatever it was, King of the Indies tournament. Um, so they're, they're kind of integral to the identity of AEW anyway. Um, I, I do want to correct, or I want to correct the record. Uh, the, when, when Moxley first joined the promotion, I definitely said, oh, we don't need CM Punk anymore. Now we have CM Punk, but even better. Because we got this guy who walked out in WWE, did the awesome Jericho podcast where he killed them, you know, two dozen different ways. Uh, and, you know, uh, is actually still showing up here to to carry on the fight and try to do what he can to make, you know, pro wrestling vibrant and important and all this stuff or whatever. Uh, and I was just, it's just not the same. <laughs> Moxley isn't there yet question mark uh they're just in two different leagues right all right mike your pick for elite this week so not a whole lot this week to be quite honest this was really a weird episode but i love malachi black i feel like they've nailed this like since like the spooky kind of stuff has been kind of put in the back and now he's just murdering people and everything building up to the like the everything with like the main event was just pitch perfect everything happened exactly as it needed to be and we even got Arn Anderson laid out afterwards uh the thing that cracked me up the most and I was still tickled about this while the match was going over before the match is over is the idea that Brock Anderson someone who is who had his seventh AEW match tonight had his own private locker room Brock Anderson the son of Arn Anderson who is less than a month in the wrestling business, had his own locker room for the main event, of which he gets promptly murdered by Malachi Black. Just a, just the logic of that, like just KFA logic just cracks me up there. Like Brock Anderson, like, are we supposed to imagine now that whoever's in the main event gets in there? So what if it's going to be, you, you know, uh, uh, Cesar Bononi gets a, a TNT title shot. Does Cesar Bononi then get the the locker room because they're going up against Miro? I don't know, but it just it cracks me up. I enjoy it a lot. I I got to assume it's just that it it's a sons and fathers promotion. So if you're either a son or a father of someone else in the promotion, then you get your own locker room. That's that's my internal logic. Um, I do uh, the presentation of Malachi Black uh, continues to be pretty strong. Um, I, but this didn't really change my opinion on on any of that. Uh, the makeup is still overdone and just obviously makeup and very silly in that way. 
I guess I don't don't really know what this accomplished. It it felt like maybe they thought they were going to have Valiant, uh, the Valiant Andersons, and and all their history in the Midwest. I have no idea if they have any history. Were they in the AWA? Who knows? Um, Arn was they, in the AWA. Yes. Okay, okay, that was kind of my thought, but I didn't bother to look it up. Uh, you know, oh, they'll get the the Valiant babyface reception, and and Brock will be standing up for his dad, and all the all the good Midwestern folk will be like, oh, we love our dads, and he's going to go out there. Uh, and that's just what the people just wanted to see Malachi Black kill him. Uh, they were right in doing so. Thankfully, he did. Um, but I don't really know what it accomplished other than uh, pretty pretty nothing for a main event. Uh, you know, I can't imagine it attracted a bunch of viewers to hang around after Punk. Um, and then just the most perplexing thing is trying to have Lee Johnson come in after the match as the as the next Valiant babyface. Which uh, it just is not. They have not earned that with Lee Johnson for that to work on any level. I talked about that when he had his match with Miro, right? That it's like, no, Miro M- Lee Johnson was a job guy, however many weeks ago, and he got one win, uh, and now you can't just have him go even with Miro, and now he's like a, now he's like the, <laughs> the the cavalry coming in to save the Anderson family. Uh, no, you're you got to slow down. You're on fast forward with this guy. And it doesn't work. And the crowd didn't react at all. Doesn't help that you, I, I'm sorry, I went into a delete, even though this is supposed to be the delete section of the show, but I, I didn't like anything on the show. Uh, the They play his music and nobody knows whose fucking music is. And they don't show the stage. So we hear the music and the commentary, Jim Ross starts talking about next week's show because he thinks the show's off. And the next caliber <laughs> is like, wait, Jim, wait, Jim, here comes Lee Johnson. And Lee Johnson runs down to his music and Malachi Black leaves the ring. <laughs> that was so just wrong to, uh, off key. Um, it might've worked. If you had Lee Johnson just come out to be like the helpful guy and not with this music, you know, he's just coming out like, Oh, I'm one of the, I'm one of the stable mates. I'm going to come help my guy. And maybe then like while he's tending to Arn, then maybe he gets up in Malachi's Malachi's face and is like, Hey man, what the fuck? Maybe that plays a little better. Cause it seems a little more organic and not so, uh, not so gilded. Um, but this, yeah, I, I didn't like it. The main thing I noticed about Malachi Black was he appeared to be letting his, uh, his chest hair grow a little bit. So I just want to say to Malachi and to listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Milwaukee to Amsterdam, do we have a pube problem? Insert space music here. If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawn Mower 4.0. That's right, Malachi. After you're done with Brock Anderson, you can kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job. Uh, use Manscaped. Get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code This Is. Uh, Malachi Black, you know, you're coming up on this big match with. Uh, presumably with Cody, I'm guessing. You know, that's where this is all headed. Uh, okay. You, yeah, you, <laughs> are we still in the ad read? Yeah, I'm still doing the ad read. Okay. You, I, well, th- this is this relates. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe you came into this Manscaped ad read talking about Malachi's Black, Malachi Black's body hair and not Brock Anderson's body hair, <laughs> who is just head to toe <laughs> covered in hair. Her suit. He is her suit. 
Well, here's the thing. Malachi Black, I knew, was hanging out with his wife today. And I don't know how often he gets to see his wife because she re-signed with WWE, of course. So I would have expected him to have uh, some better body grooming, body hair grooming today for being with his wife. He could have gone to manscaped.com, used the promo code This Is, got the perfect package, the performance package 4.0 with the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker to make sure uh, that his nose and ear hair was okay. He could have gotten the crop preserver. Look, they were training at Rufus Sport. If he'd used the crop preserver before training at Rufus Sport, he would have still smelled great afterwards. So that would have been my suggestion. If there was a little bit of a smell, use the crop reviver, which is also part of the performance package. Uh, And I hope he was wearing the Manscaped boxers under the the gear at Rufus Sport. And I hope in the Rufus Sport locker room, he had the shed travel bag. Uh, Here's all I'm saying, Malachi. Abort hairy balls and buzz lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. Your dick and balls need some help for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. All right. My turn for Elite. And I'm just going to hop on the back of our listener Elite for this week. Listener Pat Absent says, Elite, Jamie Hayter. She's great. Give her a feud with Riho. Have to agree. Jamie comes out. Uh, her gear looks great. The music is great. You mentioned this, Nate, on the on the Everything Elite feed. Uh, she is like, I've always thought Jamie was a great wrestler. Uh, I thought her promos were great. I thought everything about her was great. But now she looks like an ass kicker. And she's like, now it helps that Red Velvet is like five feet tall, but she's like towering over Red Velvet. She looks very big and strong and powerful. She kicked her ass. The match wasn't great. They had some problems, uh, especially toward the end of the match. But Jamie had those really sick uh, tope catches that just like uh, blew my mind. Uh, They looked a little scary at times. But overall, I was like, this is a great addition to AW, to the women's division, and to the Britt Baker Act. So everything good on that, I thought. Yeah, I I especially like the music. Um, I did tweet that, hey, this is a good theme. I'm not sure if this is a new theme or if this is the one that she used in her previous appearances. You helpfully sent along the screenshot from Mikey Ruckus, the the music man at AEW. Uh, if, if he can't do it, nobody can. Uh, and, and, you know, the, I don't like every Mikey Ruckus theme, but they, I will say more of them are growing on me. Also, I think really all the AEW themes play better in an arena than they come across on TV sometimes, um, which I, I might not have appreciated until uh, this last week. Uh, but I was mostly just tickled pink that Mikey Ruckus uh, listens to his own music at full volume on his AirPods. It just rocks out to it on repeat. Uh, I think that's beautiful. I think it's uh, wonderful to enjoy your own shit to that degree. Um, and uh, yeah, Jamie Hitter, good. Yeah, Jimmy Hater good. Uh, Jamie Hater came off like a real star in this. Like the lariat to winning the match just looked absolutely brutal. Uh, just and it's something where she's always been a very confident wrestler, or at least projects confidence. But and, and it was something that like it made sense when you would like see her in Stardom or elsewhere, where like okay, no, Jamie is confident in herself. That makes total sense. But there's like a different level of confidence that she was exuding tonight and it felt like a star and it's something that 
I really like the idea, and we talked about this on Light, that adding Jamie to the sack, now you you kind of open up the Britt Baker division a little bit because you get to have more kind of stuff going on around them. And, you know, she just came off exactly as advertised. It's something that I wonder kind of like someone who watched Rampage last Friday. They saw Jamie come in after the main event, lay out Red Velvet and all of that. I'm wondering like with like between like that, like the the one thing I'll say is that her the response that has come off at least on screen from the crowds does not seem to have her at the star level that I feel like she comes off to us as and i'll be interested to see if this is something that might pick up a little bit more the fact that she's with Britt baker the most over women's act in the company so it, it, it's a great start yeah uh, i don't think she the audience is not familiar with her enough yet um you know i complain a lot in this promotion about how people will come on to television and then be featured over and over and over again for x number of weeks and then like people will also you know while other people have totally disappeared and uh, you know, aren't on aren't on for half of a year or whatever. Uh, but I will say where that is good or where that works sometimes is they establish people pretty quickly. Um, you know, you see with like 2.0 and Daniel Garcia recently, where it's like, okay, we've got these guys, we're going to put them on TV, uh, and we're going to establish them and what their act is. And you're going to, you're going to know that 2.0 are like these goofy loathsome heels or whatever. And you're going to know that Daniel Garcia is a young guy who, uh, has the ability and the upside to beat somebody like Matt Seidel, but is not quite on a John Moxley's level. Uh, so I, I assume that's what they're going to do here. And they started that off the right way by having Jamie Hayter get a win right off the bat. So it's like, okay, you know that this, uh, this muscle for Britt Baker is somebody who's going to get wins. Um, I do wonder if you want to have the first win be on Red Velvet, who like you just featured and pushed to a title match. Um, you know, th there's a lot of other women you could have Jamie Hayter beat at this point, and it probably would have been just as valuable maybe, but uh, whatever. Yeah, that is weird, especially since Red Velvet has only been in big matches basically on Dynamite to this point. Uh, so that's definitely weird. And especially because it's not playing in at all to the all out thing. Very strange that they were like, oh, the all-out match is uh, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. And now here's a segment where Britt Baker and Chris Statlander are going to face off. Because, they, I mean, they didn't build to that in any real way. I mean, like, they had a few segments where they kind of interacted. But uh, just kind of a lazy, lazy build, generally. Yeah, it's, they keep no having Chris Statlander uh, run out for these saves. Um, but I don't know, like... You put Chris Statlander with the best friends for a reason. Like, why don't we find out what Chris Statlander's personality is like and see if maybe she can uh, get herself over by showing a personality like Britt Baker did. Uh, and, you know, if not, then you, you're still got, you know, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor there to kind of, uh, you know, give it the boost it needs to make the segment works while she works on those skills. I, you know, it might work perfectly. I just don't know because I haven't seen it because I don't do it. All right, boys. Well, it's uh, time to crack our knuckles and get into the good stuff, which is the stuff we didn't like on this episode. I, you know, coming off the punk thing, I was really excited to just ride this wave and be, you know, WrestleJoy level positive about AEW for a while. And they just, uh, they did not reward my goodwill uh, whatsoever. So let's talk about uh, what we would have deleted from the show tonight. Nate, 
hit us up with your pick. Yeah, we might be shooting ourselves in the foot because we did have the increased Patreon interest yes. with, with Punk coming in, and there's a lot of positivity. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of YouTube comments at Tony Khan. Thank you for saving wrestling, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're just going to be on here like, actually, this show is no good. Um, <laughs> so they, they booked yet another disappointing match for fucking All Out, which um, I don't know. You know, I guess we I guess we got ahead of ourselves and talked ourselves into a all out card uh, that just had no relation to what they were actually interested in putting on that show. And I guess I, again, have these this old fashioned idea of a pay-per-view and and the idea that a pay-per-view should have all of your biggest matches on it. Uh, And I guess they consider this to be a really big match. And I have to say, it seems like the Milwaukee crowd agreed that this is a really big match. So help me God, Chris Jericho went out there and wanted another match with MJF and the Milwaukee crowd was chanting one more match because they, they just have to see Chris Jericho get his win back. They cannot, they cannot go on with beloved babyface Chris Jericho losing a feud uh, to the young, uber talented Maxwell Jacob Freeman. Um, I, I, you know, I thought that was a perfect capstone to that feud to have MJF tap in, uh, yeah, have MJF tap Chris Jericho out. You know, it, Chris Jericho wasn't eating shit or whatever. He'd gone through four other tough matches. Uh, you you were really giving Maxwell Jacob Friedman a like trademark win that he could hang his hat on, and you can use to now push him into a uh, another feud with somebody else and maybe really elevate him to that top level. They just added CM Punk to this company. Um, but no, they had to just. They're going back to this match, and I, I you know, I, I guess the first match is pretty good. They've got this stipulation on it where if Jericho loses, it is going to become a commentator forever. Um, which I didn't get a chance to bury Chris Jericho's commentary on the first rampage because you you two did our first rampage weekend show on the Patreon. Uh, he is unbearable. <laughs> he makes me want to not watch the show. Um. So I guess in that regard, they've done a great job of making me want to cheer him as the babyface against MJF because uh, they absolutely cannot put him on on Rampage every week or I, I, I'll, I'll watch on mute or I won't watch. It's just like, at this point, what else can MJF really get from facing Chris Jericho anymore? Like, oh, I, I, I think this is just to give Jericho his win back before he goes. I think that's all... Yeah, like that's like the only rationale here. And with like everything, like maybe, uh, maybe, maybe my fingers are off the pulse a little bit, but like, yeah, Jericho is someone who's always over. Yeah, MJF is someone you're kind of built up there, but it's not like that this feud has like felt like it had extra life with it. Like this felt like that, 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 that it ended a logical endpoint. And now it's just the ravings of a, 50-year-old man who can't deal with the fact that time has passed him by. If that was the story that was being told with this feud for this build-up, for this big match in two weeks that they're building up now, that would have been good. But instead, we have Jericho going like, no, I can't leave it like this. Like, the, the, There is a much more interesting way of doing that, and that's even me me like saying, like, okay, this is a way to make a feud I really don't care for. I feel like it's gone past the expiration date. Make it seem more logical, and that's not really what happened. And you're threatening us with a with a worse outcome if he wins, if he loses. Like it's 
someone told Chris Jericho that his Chet Blonsky character from Southpaw Regional Wrestling was really funny. He decided just to incorporate that every time he's on commentary, and it's unbearable at this point. Have to agree with Dan Lambert. This is the fans' fault. Uh, they, <laughs> they, as you said, they chanted one more match. They're really into it. Um, they're the only people who can really be blamed for this at this point. So, yeah, I, I don't want to see this. I have no interest in it. Yeah, it's it's kind of just another another match on this all out card that it's like, oh well, that's I don't that's that's not for me. No, 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 <laughs> that's no, no. not for me. No, 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 no. All out is going to be great. I'm really glad that we're going to have uh, a live instant reaction. <laughs> well, maybe not live because we're all going to be there, but we're going to have an instant <laughs> reaction to all out that everybody's going to want to hear right after the show. We're going to have lots of all out coverage. I think it's going to be a great pay per view. I can't. I'm glad you can do that, Aaron, because I can't. <laughs> I will be selling this Patreon. Mike, <laughs> tell us what is your delete pick from this week. I'm just going to say outside of the Malachi Black match and maybe the uh, Lucha Brothers versus Blondes match, which was fine. This felt like we were watching like an AEW house show. Like this was the house always wins because like we got like the opener, which felt like to me just like, oh, we are buying times we're doing money bits and then matt broke his nose and then it got good because blood was everywhere and then uh you guys see blood all over everyone and that was fine and then just like everything else on this show like either things did not work out or people just like we're doing house show matches like it felt like like this wingman versus darby uh eddie and moxley face army thing that's a road to main event right there. If there's an AEW road to, and I'm just like, these are the matches we have on that you're having on this show. And this goes back to the whole thing about like, you're going to have a lot of people who are probably watch the YouTube clip who are saw on Twitter and saw this thing. I mean, ESPN is touting or Tony Khan is touting that ESPN told him that CM Punk's uh, return got more page views within the time frame than anything from the Olympics. And like, there's no, like and these are the matches that you that go this way. Just I I guess just like the deflation of this show after Friday is my delete because it just felt ultimately deflating. Like there's so many things that you just like point at and you're like, okay, this is not the this is not what you would would think you want to do, or this could have been a lot more energetic or interesting. And just it it was one of those shows where at nine twenty I looked up and I was like, oh, we had still have a lot left on the show, and that was coincidentally we're after the CM Punk interview tonight yeah um they have the ability to just put on like a great match whenever they want to kind of uh and they did not choose to do that on this show really at all which like you said is a weird choice to make when you've got all this new interest probably in your product uh in particular that babyface army six-man match against the wingman I uh, this cemented for me that I don't like the wingman act. I don't especially like the guys. I, I think JD Drake is a really good wrestler, but he's not doing what he's, what he excels at at all here. Like he's in here as the comedy heels to bump around and eat shit for these baby faces. Um, and it just doesn't work for me. I think <laughs> how young Briley just doesn't work for me. Cesar Bononi, uh, you know, he doesn't meet the lofty standards uh, of, of work rate that are required in a promotion like GCW. So uh, I don't really know how you could 
uh, feature him on national television in the big spot like this uh, really made me appreciate how good 2.0 and Daniel Garcia were when they did this exact same match a few weeks ago. Um, and, and that babyface army win was just like much more fun and like such a good breath of fresh air. And those guys uh, did such a great job of like working a match from underneath and being entertaining while doing it. Uh, but still, you know, mostly just eating shit for the baby faces. Uh, and this just felt like, I don't know, total slop to me. Uh, I, yeah, that, that, that was the point where I really went negative on it. Like, man, they could, they could not even correctly pull off this match. And I, I even get the idea that match was directly following the punk promo. So it's like, Oh great. We have new people here. He talked about Darby Allen. Now we're going to have Darby Allen out here with these other big baby faces and show all of this cool shit that he can do. And, you know, at least they did have Darby do the coffin drop and get the win like that makes sense in the, in the macro, but in the micro, the match was just like nothing to me. The frustrating thing to me is that Tony Khan tells us over and over by what he chooses to put in certain segments that he thinks what people want to see is Matt Hardy and is Chris Jericho. And coming off of this huge CM Punk return, they kick off with a Matt Hardy match. At least Orange Cassidy was there, but they didn't highlight what's great about Orange Cassidy in the match. Then almost the very next thing we see is a long Chris Jericho promo. And look, Tony, you've got all the data. You know, you've got Mookie Ghana breaking it all down for you. But I cannot be convinced that people trying out AEW for the first time are going to look at a, Matt, a long Matt Hardy match and a long Chris Jericho promo and say, this is the fresh alternative to WWE that I want to watch. This is why I want to get back in to pro wrestling. That makes no sense to me. I'm going to tag on like I did on Elite to uh, listener Delete. Our friend AP Taub back in the building with a Delete. And he says, wasting a golden opportunity to hook first-time fans with some of AEW's signature fast-paced multi-man action. Not a ton on this show that felt distinctively AEW. And I think that's right. Kind of. Distinctively AEW, Tony Khan tells us, is putting Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho in big spots to highlight them to quote-unquote casual fans. But what is actually distinctive about AEW is that they can put on matches that you can't find anywhere else on American television, and they refuse to do it here. And honestly, when I went on light this morning and said they're going to get $1.4 million, I expected them to put on a great show like they have been lately. They put that in danger because they're probably going to have a big number at the top. They're going to have a big number at uh, the 9 o'clock slash 8 o'clock hour, and then... I'm afraid they're not going to have much else elsewhere. So the average is going to work out poorly. I can't imagine watching, watching this show and thinking I got to tune in next week. Yeah. Um, I, you want, so I think the idea to have a fast paced high octane, this is the, the young, exciting AEW product or whatever is like the Lucha brothers match. Right. Cause they do, uh, you know, Phoenix especially does, high speed dives and flips and shit. Uh, but even that was not really, I think laid out correctly because I, I just don't know that, uh, Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman are up to, you know, those, those are two young, relatively green guys and you're putting them in a match where they would have to like work Lucha style to really showcase what Phoenix and, and Pentagon are best at. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I would like, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, it's not my billion dollars. I would just be like, hey, the first match on the show, we're doing fucking Phoenix versus Nick Jackson again. And just be like, hey, this is AEW. Check this shit out. That's what I would do. Uh, you know, I guess I understand the idea of Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy because Orange Cassidy is like your most viral AEW original, you know, uh, appeals to young people character, right? So you got to have him featured on the show. Uh, then you put him opposite Matt Hardy, I guess. So when people, casual people wanted to see Punk turn over, they go, oh, Matt Hardy, I love him from, you know, my youth. I love him from 30 years ago. And he's like, oh, Orange Cassidy, I've seen him on TikTok or whatever. I get that idea. Uh, but yeah, just not like not like the distinctive pace and style and 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 shit that you want to showcase from your promotion. Uh, you know, I guess they they went went for comedy with like the the Bills thing, but it didn't really land. So yeah, that was a missed opportunity on that Jericho thing. Obviously, already deleted the Lucha Brothers thing. You kind of put a low ceiling on that Lucha Brothers showcase because you know, they just weren't in there with guys who were well suited to really letting them pop off. Um, and then, yeah, the fucking babyface trios, like you just didn't, didn't have anybody opposite the baby faces to give it the juice, to make it pop, uh, and make you go, wow, this is fun. Wow. The crowd's fired up. Wow. Look at all this cool shit. These guys do, you know, Eddie didn't get to talk. Um, so yeah, there's just a bunch of missed opportunities all across the board. I, I do, I guess I, 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 I think I see what they were trying to do with the layout of these matches with orange Cassidy, Matt Hardy with Lucha brothers with all your baby faces and Darby right after the punk promo and Eddie Kingston right after the mural promo, that all makes sense. But the, the execution of actually showcasing those guys in a positive manner uh, fell flat. I'll tell you somebody who knows how to take their opportunities, put the best foot forward. It's our friends at HelloFresh because this week I'd never had HelloFresh before and they sent me three uh, meals and they're all, I chose vegetarian meals. So they sent me all vegetarian meals and they sent me some delicious stuff. Uh, the first thing that we tried was a uh, flatbread gimmick that had, um, so they sent tomatoes with it. There was some, what's the name of the other vegetable that they sent me? It was so delicious, but it had like a, a honey and ricotta cheese base or like, you know, instead of the sauce, that's like what was on the flatbread. That was delicious. Some uh, poblano soup that was delicious. Stuff that was like, okay, uh, they have given me not only these vegetarian meals. I understand they have calorie smart, smart choices, extra special gourmet options. So not just that, but they also gave me something that was like quick, easy to make. I had heard, I've never tried one of these gimmicks before. I had heard that with some others, they could be, uh, it could take a while. You know, there's a lot of prep time before you could make the meal. This was like uh, 30 minutes total. That's like 10 minutes of prep time, 20 minutes in the oven, the flatbread. It was ready to go. So HelloFresh, uh, I'm going to go back on the site, order some more meals. Uh, the, they have great flexibility. It's easy to customize what you want. You can change your delivery day, different food preferences, the plan size. You can skip a week whenever you need to. So if you're going to be out uh, for all out weekend, and you would have been set up to have a meal come at that time. You can skip it for that time. Uh, so that's all good. If you want to join in with HelloFresh, you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14. Use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. 
Uh, one more time, you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Uh, so that's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Okay, well, I kind of just jumped in there and did my own delete with everything else. So I think it's fine. I think we've deleted <laughs> enough. We can move on to uh, the rundown for the rest of the show. Although we've talked about almost all the show, I think, at this point. So we'll hit what we want to. Uh, they kicked off with Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy. Orange won with this, the pinfall where he like sticks his hand in his pants. And I don't know how to describe it, but he won the match. Yeah. Matt Hardy got his nose bloodied. Uh, it would have been okay if it was like the match before the main event or something, you know, like mm-hmm. buried in the show somewhere, but it wasn't. It just, well, like we were, not to hammer home the point, it just felt like a house show, like main event match that they put on leading off the show and kind of set off the weird vibes episode there. Uh, I try to figure out what the Orch Picassity like pin was because technically, like that should be something I know. It just was like he did like a kneeling press, it was like the bonsai drop pin, like how like Yokozuna would come off the top and just like sat on him. He basically sat on Matt Hardy and then put his hands in his pocket. So I don't know what you want from Aaron. I tried. That's good. You're great. Malachi Black had a pre-tape here. He says he agrees that Brock is in over his head. Uh, Suggests that Brock simply roll out of the ring, get himself counted out, and then apologize to him, which I think was reasonable. And that if he didn't do that, uh, Malachi would take it out on him, his dad, Cody, Dustin, and anyone remotely associated with the Nightmare family. Another good Malachi promo. Yeah, he's doing good. I just wonder... What's what's the inroad of this face paint stuff or makeup stuff? Because I, it's going to cover his entire face sooner rather than later. And there's already a face, a half face paint guy on the roster at this point. And we don't need a blackface guy on the roster. I think that's a that'd be a poor choice. No, no, no. That would that would go very poorly. And you know, yeah, especially yeah. a Dutch guy. It just that seems. I, I I was not going to say that, Aaron. <laughs> But you were more than willing to go there with that. But okay. Yeah. I, you, you, you saw that like go in my head. I was like, do I want to make that comment? No, Mike, that, that's not the comment you want to be making right now. Aaron just goes, I'll I'm do going it. to say I'm it. here. And what's this about a soccer player or something? Is that what this is? Uh, Our Dutch guy is famous for blackface. I mean, well, I, is that what we're talking about? I just, I just, well, I don't know. I said too much about the Irish once. So I really, I feel like I should. It's like. Yeah, have you never heard of like the holiday uh in in the Netherlands with the fact that like there's a companion of Saint Nicholas who is always wearing blackface? No. <laughs> Man, it's wild. Yeah, I, yeah. It's a thing. It's like yeah, he comes with uh Saint Nick and then I mean, basically Didn't the, what's the what's the evil Santa Claus they had the movie about? Is it that guy? Krampus? No, this isn't Krampus. Krampus. That's what it is. Krampus. No, this is this is very very racist. Like, mm. surprisingly okay. racist. I, I, I assumed it was a soccer guy, but evil evil Santa's friend is is uh, a total curveball for me, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, bad. The character's name, Nate. Just so you know, translated to English is Black Pete. Hmm. Okay, that's right, Black yes. Pete. So. Yeah. Congrats, so, congrats to the Dutch soccer players for avoiding one accidental <laughs> racism. 
<laughs> at least for this week. Chris Jericho was in the ring. He says everybody's celebrating the big week except him because he lost for the third time to MJF. Until this is over, he's going to keep attacking MJF. Proposes a match for All Out. If he loses, he will never wrestle in AEW again. He'll only do commentary. MJF agrees to the match. The Varsity Blondes are backstage, and they say the Lucha Brothers will be their toughest match. But their bond is greater than blood because they're a family. (laughs) (laughs) They had lockers. That was the promo. (laughs) They had lockers. Like the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Panther Arena had everything they needed this this night. I know I'm fixating, but the Varsity Blondes had lockers. Brock Anderson had his own locker room. It seems like it's like the greatest facility in the country. Uh, where was Bruce Pearl on this great night in University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin history? Is that where uh, he's at now? I thought he was at Auburn still. No, that's just where he was back in the day. That's all. Oh, I see. Uh, Lucha I like, Brothers uh, versus... I, I like whenever... I don't know if she did this on the backstage or did it during her entrance. Uh, but when they say Julia, she always points at her own name, which is written yes. across her chest. <laughs> it's great. And she always <sighs> makes like, sure you know... That's dude. me. I'm Julia. Two times. Uh, of Very these funny. three, I'm the one called Julia, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in, uh, case, in case you couldn't read, I'm going to, right there, they're saying it too. That's me. <laughs> uh, Lucha Bros versus Varsity Blondes. Phoenix pinned Brian Pillman Jr. with an assisted pile driver. After the match, Jurassic Express faced off with Lucha Bros because they will, you know, face off to see who's going to wrestle the Young Bucks. Young Bucks came down. They pushed Jurassic Express into the Lucha Brothers. Super kicks were given. Dives were done. Um... The Varsity Blondes just in an impossible position here, in my opinion. They're like the white meat babyface team. They got the Packers colors on their gear. And they're faced uh, with the Lucha Brothers, who are much more over babyfaces. I mean, there's there's really nothing the Varsity Blondes can do in this match to get over. Yeah, and they also shouldn't have won the match. That was good. Uh, as the match, con- you know, I was open to the idea of the varsity blondes winning and be like, Oh, maybe you can elevate them. Maybe they're ready to be like, Oh, we're knocking on the door of being title challenges or something. Uh, but this match just convinced me that they're not. And, and the Legion brothers needed to win it for, for the, the sake of doing a good match and, you know, having like some legitimacy about, about who deserves to be winning in these spots, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but you know that's uh, the varsity of bonds are are young and and, and upcoming, so they got time. Uh, I do think the post match angle was pretty good in terms of oh we've got the heel heel champions and we have to do this face versus face match uh, on rampage, which is coming up you know immediately here. So they did a good job, I think, of having the baby face challengers both team up to take out the heels there uh, and get a big spot out of that. So that was fun. Yeah, I said this morning that the varsity blonde should not only win this match, but face the young bucks at all out uh and within i don't know two seconds of this match starting i was like uh the varsity blonde should not win this match or go on to face I, st- I still think young bucks versus varsity blondes in a cage is a cool match uh i like the idea just the the dynamics of the two teams but the lucha brothers the crowd would have rejected varsity blondes winning this match i mean there's just no way you could do it it was if you wanted the varsity blondes to have any success and go on to face the bucks you couldn't have you couldn't set it up for them to wrestle the lucha brother 
Yeah, and just compare the, how over the Lucha Brothers were in, in Chicago the other night as compared to the Varsity Blondes, just in two different stratospheres. True enough. Uh, then we got a video building up the Pack versus Andrade match for All Out. Yeah, and this match needs to deliver. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, Nate. Yeah, mostly so I enjoy the pay-per-view. And then we got Jamie Hayter versus Red Velvet. Jamie won with a huge fucking lariat, which was very cool. Uh, afterwards, Britt attacked Red Velvet, and Chris made the save. Chris Statlander, of course. Then we had the Dark Order backstage. Evil Uno says uh, some of them weren't there to support him and Stu. He's perturbed about this. Alex Reynolds says that's because it was Ural's fault that Hangman Page got beaten up by the super elite. And Uno told him, uh, fine, you can just hang in John Silver's shadow where you belong. And this created quite a, ru uh, a ruckus. And Alex Reynolds said, just because one is in your name doesn't mean you're the Dark Order leader. So we've got some dissension in the Dark Order. Yeah, that's definitely the great way that this feud and this storyline of Hangman's going is that now everyone is arguing. That's the Dark Order, the one like stable that for the longest time did not have any arguing, and that was like, okay, that's cool. Now they get to argue, and just, yeah, it's hard to get. It, it's something where, like, does anyone really want to see, like, Dark Order Wolfpack and Dark Order Black and White. Like it makes <laughs> there's just nothing there at all. It's just yeah, you know, yeah. I, I a little bit like with the the MJF and Jericho thing. Like you know, it doesn't ring false as far as what's happened to these characters and what how they would react to them. Sure. Like it, yeah, they they've made it made sense that way. But is it what I want to see? No, it's not what I want to see. I don't want to see more stable dissension. Uh, angles um well that's how i felt until you said dark order wolf pack and now i do want to see the dark order wolf pack uh, and i want kevin nash to be in it yeah dark order wolf pack would be kevin nash preston vance and five like those are those three are the are the wolf pack out at the that would be sick also alex shelley for no reason yeah no alex shelley you know i mean he's gonna be the outsider you know there we go wolf pack there we go book it all right then we had uh mercifully the CM Punk segment on this show. Um, not sure I get Tony interviewing him or whatever. Just give CM Punk a mic and let him cook. But this is fine if they're just going to do it one time, I suppose. Uh, he says, why am I here? Basically to work with the young guys. He's retiring the voice of the voiceless nickname because people in AW have a voice and the guy in the back listens. He did omit. He, he listed Pedal Zero Miedo, Ray Phoenix, Brian Pillman, no mention of Chris Griff Garrison here. <laughs> that was well, funny. Hard to blame him. Uh, he says he asked himself if he can still go. And if he can, it starts with Darby Allen. He does a whole thing about how Darby's great. He would have been a huge Darby fan uh, if he'd watched him as a kid. And then he says, can I still be the best in the world? And he gets yes chance. And Punk says, that's somebody else's shtick. And you might just have to be a little more patient. And then proceeds to sell the Darby match some more. Now, when when Danielson shows up in Queens, are they going to claim we didn't tell anybody he was coming, even though they put the biggest possible hint on it on this show? Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. But, of course. Yes. But this was more blatant than the punk stuff, I think. No. Well, they're about the same. I mean, I guess this was, uh, you know, hey, that's somebody else's 
thing and he's coming whereas the punk stuff was everybody's gonna say your catchphrase five times on this show <laughs> and also we're booking a town a, a arena that's too big in your hometown so and, they're about the same level i think and we're gonna have our champion wear t-shirts making fun of your name like like uh, is brandon cutler next week's going to say well as an american dragon i have to say x y and z like is that gonna be the next way they're gonna do this yeah he should he should also bring back the goofy dragon makeup that he was doing. What did you guys think about BW on on uh, Punk's shoes tonight? I feel uh, like he's trolling and trying to mm-hmm. make people think that he, it's a reference to Bray Wyatt. That's my my initial guess. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, and we had a Miro pre-tape. He says he admits to being wrong, and when you have powerful arms like him, it's hard to do. He's decided to forgive Fuego. And he's going to find Eddie, take him to a river, and baptize him. He says, bring me the Mad King before I burn this place to the ground. This was the second best thing on the show after seeing Punk was this promo. Just owns. Miro is the best. Like, straight up. Like, this was like 60 seconds. He hit all the notes. Every line was given with conviction. He emotes. He's insane. He brings up his wife. He brings up his vengeful god. It's perfect. Like, this guy knows how to do a 60-second <laughs> promo. And every, and every second is worth it. It's really like one of the more out there uh, characters and gimmicks and, and, and promo subject matter that's in the company or really in wrestling. Like this guy who, uh, like my, you know, it's like prosperity gospel thing, but he believes in the Old Testament God and he's, he's going to smite people. And he's like a holy warrior who's also super horny for his wife all the time. Uh, like when you lay it out like that, it's like, okay, that's sounds pretty broad, you know, classic, uh, wrestling, you know, uh, uh, over the top kind of character, but Miro just makes it seem so absolutely real and natural and just coming straight from who that guy is that it works perfectly. Yeah. It's just great because like you, you, we can say every single line in this rundown, Aaron, and you can, you can read every single one, but the way that Miro just like like you you saying bring me the mad king before i burn this to the ground is something that you would see see that someone that's completely insane would say in, in real life whereas miro in this wrestling program delivers these lines with such conviction and such like awareness of himself as a character that it's, it's instantly one of the most compelling things on all of wrestling each week is whenever miro gets his 60 seconds to say who he wants to smite down and then he wants to go home and bang his wife it, 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 it's perfect are we getting lana at all out we better at this point and she needs to be on roads to the top I understand that her, her deal, you know, her non-compete will be over before All Out, so she could show up on the show. That would give the show a little juice. Be good. We had Darby, Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley versus the Wingmen. Darby pinned J.D. Drake with the coffin drop. After the match, Daniel Garcia attacked Darby, and staying in Mox, maybe Eddie, made the save. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an arena club slab pack and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah, you can open it and look, it's going to be junk. You're you, you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, J.D. Drake should be like tagging with Daniel Garcia or something and not. Uh, he doesn't even match the rest of this goofy stable, which I don't get. They're all in like matching powder blue gear or something. And he's like in a bartender garb. I don't get it and I don't like any of it. He's doing like the big Baba Rogers cosplay now, which like is one thing that was like, okay, if he was always the bouncer, that would be kind of, they'd be like, all right, he's the heavy of this group that already has one really huge guy, but at least there'd be some logic there, Nate, if they like yeah. made that very clear, but they don't. Yeah, they don't. All All the guys in the stable are kind of the same, which is, I, I guess I don't even know. They're like, kind they <laughs> what is there so peter avalon's like horny right and yes yes he's very horny ryan ryan nemeth is like horny i Cesar i, I Bononi, don't i don't i don't know if i don't know if ryan and cesar are horny and like jd drake has made comments on dark and elevation about his wife and like this so I, it seems like Peter Avalon might be the only horny person of this group of this wingman. So they're all supporting him, I guess. Yeah. But it still doesn't like, why is Peter, why is the Hollywood hunk there? It makes no sense. It's, this is stressing Aaron out, apparently. <laughs> oh, no, it's not stressing me out. Okay. I'm good. Uh, I was just, you know, thinking about our next, the next part on the show. So. They announced that for the buy-in, there's going to be the Women's Casino Battle Royale. And two of the people in that uh, Battle Royale will be Ty Conti and 
the bunny. Uh, we see Ty Conde backstage with Alex Marvez. Uh, Allie, I'm so, I can't wrote Allie in the notes, but of course her name is the bunny. She interrupts, asks why Ty is still with the Dark Order, which I don't think has been terribly clear on AW television. <laughs> Hasn't uh, been a thing for, since <laughs> like six months ago when Negative One would come out with him, her on Elevation or Dark. Like has not been a thing on TV in a long time. It's not like they didn't have a Dark Order segment on this very show where they could have just had her in the background. Yeah, and be she like, wasn't there. <laughs> we, we, we swear. We swear she's in this group. Yeah. No, they didn't do that either. So Bunny invites her to join uh, the HFO, hands her, I, I guess, a contract. Ty rips it up and says, well, no. <laughs> Great line from Ty. Bunny attacks her, set up a match between the two of them. Yeah, Ty a little bit Teflon. Not sure they can do anything to make Ty not rule. Oh, no, absolutely not. FTR Bald has a video. He says the nerves in Cash's hand aren't quite firing right, which we'll hear a few more times in this promo. Uh, so he can't say if FTR is coming back full time, but we definitely have one more match in us. How do I know? Because Cash said I could say that. And FTR hair shows up and he says the nerves in his hand aren't quite firing right, uh, but... He has to have a match with Santana and Ortiz. Yeah. The, um, yeah, that seems like that could be a serious injury. I guess I'm surprised this match is happening already. Yeah, it's happening next Wednesday already, or is it on yeah. happening on Rampage this week? No, it's next Wednesday. I believe the next Dynamite, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been building this pretty well. And I'll say, like, when they focus to, like, all about cash cash's arm injury it's been fine it's just like this was like oh yeah he's back now his nerves might not work but we still want to fight like which which would be a good story like don't get me wrong it's like all right we you took it to the next level there it just does not feel that way like i get the story they're set they're telling it. it's the right story it just doesn't come off yeah i guess the the arm thing looked so severe that i kind of just it, it was looked so awful that I'm kind of just buying whatever they're selling on this. So the dude's like, his arm might be super fucked up. This might be our last go round and an opportunity to get this match. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's probably pro wrestling, but it's like, looked so awful that it's like, Oh, that could be real. I don't know. Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa in the ring with Tony Schiavone. Callis says they're going to end Christian cage. Christian comes out. He shows the video from road Two about why Don Callis uh, only booked Christian in IWA once. And Callis does this thing about uh, territory bookers and, you know, booking their their favorites. Uh, and he says, but when Christian stand next, stands next to Kenny Omega, he is what he's been his entire career, second best. They all start brawling. The elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, uh, intervenes on Christian's behalf. Callis is really good here. Yeah. I... I Callus is something that like he knows what to do in that role, and I like that video that they kind of played up in the fact that they made sure to have like the old guy saying Kenny was ten years old, and I feel like that that was like a nice touch. And you know, this is something that with like this feud, I'm kind of like we we've set our piece on this. Now this title match really doesn't matter on this pay per view because CM Bunk's there, but th this made sense. Like like I feel like this was effective. I yeah, I, I you know, I don't know that actually making the feud about Christian having beef with Don Callis like enhances it, but it is like real 
you know, or they have the footage to make it seem real or whatever. And Callus is really good. Christian, you know, knows how to do this, uh, uh, you know, babyface stuff. He he got in a little reference to maybe three beers or whatever. I don't know. Seems like a Milwaukee thing. Um, I did. They did a good job, I think, of getting one of those belts off Kenny Omega in a manner to enhance this match and not make it goofy where he's going to drop one belt to Christian and then keep the other belt, right? Like there's there's a worse booked version of this feud where he's got to drop one belt to Christian Cage and, and keep the AEW title uh, and they just do it wrong and they have Christian beat him after the fact or something or they have Christian beat him clean in the first match. Uh, so they did, I think, kind of use the impact belt to heighten this in a good way where it's like, Oh, you know, he built, he beat him one time by, uh, taking the advantage of the attempted cheating and stuff. So now it kind of creates a, a little more heat for the match in that way. I think. It's a fine mid card feud. They've done a fine job for that. John Moxley is backstage. He says there was only one guy from new Japan with the balls to wrestle him. And it was Satoshi Kojima. And then he cuts a promo about how he's going to publicly execute Kojima. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kojima rules. Don't get me wrong. This is another thing where it's like, oh, you're not getting the great match at all out that you thought you were going to get. <laughs> Frankly, I'm more interested in this than I am Mox Suzuki. I've already seen that. Give me this. Well, I wa- you know, I'd wanted Mox Tanahashi. Well, uh, sure. As, that, as, that as, a consolation, as a consolation, I would have taken Ishii or Suzuki. Uh, Kojima was not on my shortlist. Now, again, Kojima rules can still go. The match will be fun. Um, but it, it, it's just, well, this isn't what I talked myself into. So now the all-out card looks a little bit weaker than I had hoped. I'm stoked. This match should rock. Like, Kojima rules, as y'all said. I, I I never had the idea. Maybe I was, like, the one person. I was like, oh, yeah, Tanahashi's not going to be there. G1's, like, two weeks after this. And Minoru Suzuki, I feel like that fit. If he shows up, like they have the place for that, and I, I, it, it's just something that, like I've, like this whole entire episode, like it's felt like that they're just running off of whatever goodwill Punk has, and like this is carrying out through all out, like how Nate's saying, like I built this up to be like this because that's what these shows have been, and then like John Moxley and Soshi Kojima, that's an awesome match. It just does not feel like a just like a sudden pay per view match. Yeah, it should be a, a, a dynamite match. Would be would be fucking awesome. Be like, oh shit, we get Kojima on dynamite tonight. But yeah. Then we had the Nightmare Factory team of QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo versus the Gun Club, and the streak lives as Colton Gun rolls up QT after a no more BS. Who brought some BS? Paul White distraction. This was, was so more abrupt. BS. That, that's just what I have to say about it. This was more BS. <sighs> Colton Gunn's now 25-0. and 0. That's oh, why man. I didn't buy your fucking hoodie, Paul White, because I knew there was more <laughs> BS coming my way. <laughs> the streak I love lives. the idea of you getting in those giant merch lines at the United Center and then getting up to the table and be like, yes, one no more BS, Paul White hoodie, please. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, there's going to be some bullshit. No, thank you. <laughs> okay. I, when he walked out with it last week, he talked me into the No More BS Paul White hoodie. And I was like, the only way I convince myself to buy this is at the show. 
Like mm-hmm. that, if I have to like click through on shopaew.com, too many chances to talk myself out of it. But yeah, I got there and even before the show, the lines were so fucking insane that there was, you know, I gave maybe half a second's thought to getting it <laughs> and decided against it. All right, we had uh, Dan Lambert backstage with the men of the year and he does a promo uh, as I said earlier, blaming Tony Khan for how bad this promotion, or, you know, he was blaming Tony Khan for how bad the promotion is. Now he realizes it's the fans' fault, and he does a thing about uh, lattes and safe spaces. This was bad. This was not good. I took <laughs> up for him last week. This sucks shit. Uh, he he kind of has, he has so many talking points that he wants to get through that he kind of races through them, right? Also, I don't, I don't know. I think Scorpio's guy is kind of a decent heel promo. I don't know yeah. that he needed this. It it's something that like I forgot who is the person who said this, but it really is. He's doing the Cobra Kai gimmick. He he's being he's being like, oh yeah, I'm, these are the guys that are tough and like actually like will fight. They're not wusses like today. Cancel culture like X Y and Z. But instead of like the idea that the guy from Cobra Kai is likable or it's like a redemption thing for him being like such a shitty, shitty youth. You just see this guy who is just spouting off like bad Facebook conspiracy memes and then saying, but the real shooters are Scorpio sky, which yeah, no, he had the MMA background. Like that's known, but then also Ethan page, which people who followed Ethan page over the last year, like saying, Oh yeah, he has two black belts in Thai and Taekwondo and cry. He's like, yeah, we know he was the karate man. Like, and you're saying that this is the tough guy here. Dan Lambert, you're making yourself come off like an idiot here. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, but- I, I think I think you did just lay out what's good about it, Mike, which is that it's very funny for the UFC real coach to come in and be like, "I need two tough shooters. Let me get Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page." That's the best part of this. Okay, but Nate, you shouted out, "Well, Scorpio Sky's a, a decent heel promo." The only thing Ethan Page can do is fucking talk, and they're taking yeah. taking that away from him. It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, throwing compliments his way, but honestly, both those guys were good in the Darby and Sting program. Um, so I don't know that you needed to change the act up right away like this. I think, you know, give him another little program. They might be really able to make something, something crack. Then we had Art Anderson backstage with Alex Marvez. He says he tried to talk Brock out of this, but he's hard-headed. He says, not every dog has its day and good doesn't always conquer evil but we're in it now and I'll go down with you either way. Uh, I speaking of a good Arn promo, I watched uh, the Kevin Nash parodying Arn's uh, retirement speech from, from nitro from many years ago today. Uh, and that's very good. That was better. Well, I mean, this was good, but uh, that was better than probably just about anything on the show, except CM Punk. <laughs> All right. Malachi black versus Brock Anderson, black one with the, the spinning kick that he does. After the match, he got a chair. Arn stood between Malachi Black and Brock Anderson. Arn blocked the spin kick from Black. Then Black kicks him in the nuts, gives him the roundhouse kick anyway. Lee Johnson comes out. Malachi Black leaves the ring. The show ends. What was that spot in the fucking trios match where Hot Young Bradley gets in the ring with a chair and then they just like push him over and hit him? Yeah. Every every exchange that match made me mad. I could not figure out what they were trying to do. It was a house show main event. Road to uh, All Out was uh, it was at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Panthers Arena. Nate, that's what we were getting today. 
Yeah, very frustrating. Okay, here's the thing. If you're listening to our show for the first time, <laughs> uh, we really wanted to be positive, I think, tonight. We're excited about the excitement. We should have put this at the top of the show. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, they, people have turned it off by now. But yeah. look, if it sucks, we're going to have to say it sucks. That's just, you know, what are we going to do? I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Let me, let me peel back the curtain. I tried to talk myself into, no, Aaron, just be positive about this show. You know, whatever happens whatever happened on the show, just talk about why it was really good. But I'm just not physically capable of doing that. I apologize to everyone. But if, if you do want positive content, uh, you do have to pay for it. That's right, baby. <laughs> we had we had two shows uh, in the last week, both about CM Punk, uh, where that could not have been more positive uh, and also both good listeners. That's right. And you head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up for those. It's the biggest month we've ever had on our Patreon. So people are enjoying the content. Uh, yes, we did uh, our show EE World Tour, which is a Rampage review. Nate and I were at the United Center live for the show. We talked all about being live there, how fun it was. Uh, we talked for about 80 minutes uh, about the 20 minute uh, punk segment. That was great. <laughs> and then Case Lowe and I did a This Is CM Punk, which is our series where we do deep dives into roster members. We looked at five matches from CM Punk's career, talked all about those and a lot of little things along the way uh, through CM Punk's career. And then we talked, you know, what we thought it would look like in uh, his career would look like in AEW. So that's a fun show. Check those out. Uh, the Patreon, we have three tiers. The $3 tier gets you our light show, which is where Mike and I preview Dynamite, review Dark, any uh, content like road to and then nate breaks down being the elite and sometimes occasionally other vlogs just want to be clear about that uh because he gets mad with the way that i uh characterize the vlog well, I, I, I think even occasionally or sometimes is maybe overstating <laughs> it i would say rarely it's <laughs> okay. probably all right that's fine uh so you get that show if you want all the audio we do that's on our five dollar tier if you want all the audio we do plus you want to listen to this show, our main weekly show live right after Dynamite each week and have the YouTube uh, replay until it goes up. Well, I mean, it lasts forever, but you can listen to it until it goes up. Uh, that's on our $8 tier. So do those. Also join our Discord. If you signed up recently or if you sign up now, come join our Discord. There's lots of fun, lots of fun uh, discussion in the Discord, discourse in the Discord. So come join us. That's patreon.com slash everything elite on rampage this week which is a the first taped rampage uh we're gonna have ty conti versus the bunny jurassic express versus lucha bros kenny omega and brandon cutler versus christian cage and frankie gazarian and from what i understand Giannis antetokounmpo uh is front row for this show should have had him on dynamite seems like he did get in, no, not trying to spoil anything but uh if you had the opportunity to use uh, Giannis, uh, put him on dynamite. The show could have used it. Give it a shot in the arm. Yeah. Also, it, it's live, so then it's on ESPN again tomorrow. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Also, this, uh, you know what the show reminded me of was the first dynamite where there was like a fucking Kevin Smith segment in the middle of it. <laughs> where it's just like, oh, yeah. I guess, I guess, just because it's the you know one of the most viewed dynamites ever, and it's like, oh. What ah, it really would have been nice if you'd put your best foot forward. Uh, next week on Dynamite, we're going to have Brian Cage versus Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans, Santana Ortiz versus FTR, 
a Chris Jericho interview and an MJF sit down. So that'll be on Dynamite next week. We'll preview that on Light next Wednesday. Interesting that, like, have y'all kept an eye on if tickets are really moving on that Monday and Friday show based off of Punk yet? I have not. Nope. I think uh, I think I saw Russell Ticks tweet about they added combo tickets for the Dynamite and Rampage in Chicago. Um, but I didn't I didn't know notice whether they you know since sold a bunch of them. Yeah, I'm just wondering because I feel like that you would probably be pushing that really hard and we don't really have anything about that. So just wondering. Yeah, that will be interesting. Of course, uh, that's the next Dynamite is going to be in Chicago at the Now Arena, just like Rampage and, of course, All Out. I should have I guess I should have also on selling the Patreon. Of course, we'll have a reaction show to All Out. We'll also have an All Out uh retrospective from last year's all out they will be accompanied by a preview for this year's all out so plenty of all out coverage uh i gotta say and i'll talk about this on the the preview but i'm much more excited about this card than nate is so don't let nate's uh negativity bring you down subscribe to the patreon and listen to my positivity about the show well, it's really, you know, <laughs> uh, the issue is as the negative as the negativity on the card increases, uh, that correlates with the amount of money I could make from reselling my ticket. That's that's really the calculus that's in play here. I mean, it's, you know, close to your house. Just go to the show. It'll be nice. I mean, I can still see you guys without going to the show. That's true. We could all just hang out. That's fine. I could I could buy dinner with the thousand dollars I made or whatever. Oh, actually. And now I support this. Right? That, that changes everything. I'll sit next <laughs> to someone I don't know. I'm already sitting next to someone I don't know on the other side to begin with. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Good way of looking at it. I'll be sitting next to my wife because like CM Punk, big wife guy, AB. Can't sell, can't <laughs> sell one of my... I should sell one of my tickets. I'll be like, well, babe, uh, see ya. It's all right. We can go to a movie or something. I'll hang out with your wife. Have fun at the show. I'm not, I'm not selling. I'm not giving my ticket away, Nate. I'm selling it. Are you going to sell your ticket and buy mine? No, I'm, you're selling her ticket. I'm selling my ticket. I said, I'll hang out with her. No, I'm selling my ticket to let, and then making my wife go to the show and sit oh. next to whoever. Okay, I, sold I, the didn't, I didn't follow. I didn't follow the logistics of this. <laughs> um, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. I think that's the show for this week. Um, Follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, I didn't do our personal Twitter accounts at the top of the show. Now that I think about it, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are to go to Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite and subscribe. Go to Manscape.com. Use the code This Is for twenty percent off plus free shipping. And go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's it. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.